Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a sure winner. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about, uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few, and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called Allbrace. And it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the all brace and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're going to want to check it out at all-brace.com. What's up guys? Ryan here with Torsion Talk Podcast and... I have just so much going on. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was just talking to my guests about uh, some revelation that I've received in my personal life. As business owners, we're so busy just knocking things out and mentally checked into what we're supposed to accomplish that sometimes it's hard for us to enjoy the roses. And so I was talking to my guests a little bit about how I'm, people are revealing things to me and uh, some not so great characteristics that that I have. And so I'm working on those, but I want to challenge everybody who listens to me because this is part of all of our growth as business owners is how do we how do we self-examine and find things that we need to improve on before it gets to the point where you're pissing everybody off. Uh, so I, I've recently been told that socially I'm a little awkward in some areas and I'm trying to correct those. And so, um, always a work in progress, right? So we just got through talking about the journey and, uh, how we need to appreciate the journey, but also be reflective and understand our journey. But that's not what today's about. Today's about the market, kind of some of the conditions we've got a guest on that we've had on before who, uh, I got a lot of good, positive feedback from our industry basically hinges on steel because garage doors are made a lot of, a lot of the garage doors we do are made of, of metals steel aluminum um, and today we have uh, our buddy Brian from majestic steel who's going to tell us a little bit about some of the market conditions they've actually changed quite dramatically and we're going to talk a little bit about those and how that might affect the garage door industry and then how that might trickle down to us, the dealers, and how should we respond? Brian, how are you? Great. How's it going, Ryan? Going well, man. Doing really well. As I mentioned before, I don't know if um, how many t-shirts you print, but if you guys are watching this on YouTube, I'm kind of digging their, their little t-shirt they got going on, and I've offered to buy one, but if you guys are watching, you should check it out. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to take a, sh I'll take a picture and post it on our 
This is legit, dude. I don't know why I like your shirt so much, but I think it's cool. <laughs> well, we have we have really we have a really really good marketing team, and we have uh, you know apparel that's just you know really really good. I mean, uh, the golf shirts are awesome, and, and just all the different majestic apparel that we have. Maybe you guys should get into like an e-commerce store. Well, you know what? I mean, the the owner of our company, uh, he started a uh, you know a, a company that that does uh, masks that are really mm-hmm. good high end masks. So very uh, nice. That's uh, so we are you know we are we are we are getting into apparel or we yeah. are in apparel that was started during the pandemic. Very cool. All right, so I think you know just to kind of give some background, uh, Majestic Steel is you guys are you guys are a middleman right? We are like the mills. Yep. Okay. So, so you're, you're very much a middleman, but you're a high producer. You guys put out a lot of steel, right? Absolutely. And some of that steel goes into the garage door industry. You guys have a couple manufacturers who buy your products. Yes. And so you guys are on top of it. The one thing that I love about you guys, you sent me a podcast the other day. I always appreciate that. Um, I listened to it. It's very good information. I'm sitting here like, dang, like I gotta get him on. We gotta talk about some of this stuff. <laughs> um, so, but what I love about you guys is that you're very data driven, market driven, and you know, I have, I have, um, I have my core group of YouTubers that I like to, to listen to and watch um, on market information. But one thing that's very interesting that you brought up or the podcast brought up was that, uh, metals, some metals, not all are back to almost pre COVID days when it comes to price, um, dropping 30, 40% and, uh, in price. So when we, when we look at price increases for garage doors, I think the average was like, I don't know, 90% increase, right? A 30 or 40% drop makes it almost back to where it was. A 50% drop would would get it there. Um, so tell me a little bit about what's going on. Uh, what's causing the drop in price? And how might that be affecting the garage door industry as a whole or just the, the economy as a whole? Well, you know, it's funny, you know, back when we had spoken, you know, back in March, uh, you know, gas prices were at $4.29 a gallon. Yeah. Uh, today it's at uh, what over just around the 350 range, I believe. So, so it's you're like $87 a barrel or something like that. I think they right. said. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, kind of where things are going actually 369 a gallon is where gas is, but just the same thing is happening with, with steel. I mean, the steel market was correcting itself prior to the Ukraine-Russian war. Pricing was coming down quite a bit um, from the highs that we saw in 2021. And then all of a sudden, this whole Russia-Ukraine war threw everything for a loop. So many raw materials that were coming from Ukraine and Russia over here to the United States that everybody started to do a lot of panic buying. You saw panic buying with raw materials, scrap went up dramatically. You saw uh, zinc go up dramatically. Steel prices all just shot up record in record time in record amounts. And so all of that panic buying, you know, became, you know, everybody, it started just creating that demand. 
what was interesting was is that as we were going through this, the inventory levels at manufacturers and service centers for, for steel were growing quite large because what was interesting was at that particular time, and we had kind of touched on it back in March, was that you had this manufactured product that you had to make and you had plenty of steel, but you might be missing a component here, you might be missing a component there, and you couldn't make a finished product. It's similar to what the automotive industry is going through right now. Right. They don't have any chips to make any cars. And that's why you're seeing so low inventory. So to make a long story short, inventory levels started to rise. And then with that, interest rates started to rise. Stock market started to fall. And then kind of the sentiment that was out there was, hey, maybe we need to kind of slow things down a little bit. Demand slowed down a little bit. But what's interesting, and I know I'm kind of getting wordy here, but we've been psychologically, we have been used to this crazy pace yeah. since the beginning of the pandemic, or since the, the rebound in the pandemic uh, in the summer of 2020 is when I is when it really started. We've been going crazy with that. People being home, building things, taking care of their house, projects, and things like that. And you know, manufacturers have just, just been going crazy. Well, just any kind of slowdown from where we were, you're, it's, it's a huge change. I mean, right. think about it. You know, you're, you started exercising again. If you went out and started sprinting for an hour straight and then stopped or slowed down. That, that would, would never happen, just so we're clear. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be a huge change. So, you know, one of the things that I would say is that they, you know, as we're talking and everybody's talking about, hey, we're going into recession and we're, and we're the psychology that that demand is really slow. If you look at the statistics in July, the ISM manufacturing index is still above 50. So is it as busy as it was, you know, before? No. Or is demand still pretty good? Yeah. Do the mills still have steel mills still have back orders that they've got a place? Yes. So I just think the pace of what we've seen has kind of slowed down. And so with that, people have to slow down their, their purchasing, both at the end user level, as well as in the supply chain. And so I think we're just seeing a little bit of kind of like a return to, you know, maybe a different type of normal that we've seen. Yeah. How are we now in demand compared to pre-COVID? Like, let's talk 2018, 19. Are, are you guys seeing similar demand uh, to those dates or are we still more or less? I would say more. I would say more is what we're seeing from a demand perspective. Is that uh, because of the backlog or is that just because of natural, like you're still just seeing more orders coming in? I think it's, I think it's a, a combination of both. I okay. think there are industries out there um, that are doing very well outside of home construction, just general construction. You're seeing that, uh, that industry doing very well. And so for you know, different industries, you can see pockets of it. The agricultural industry is very strong right now. So in, the, in, the, in that industry, so we're seeing a lot of strength there. We're still seeing a lot of strength in the HVAC industry. So there's industries that are very, going very strong, but the magic, they, I guess the elephant in the room here is we've seen the steel market the way that it is without the largest sector of demand for steel not even in play 
Like right now, automotive is, is very weak uh, compared to what is pre-COVID. Yeah. If automotive comes back to the levels that we saw, the demand for steel will be very strong and there may not be enough capacity to keep up with that demand. So, you know, keep in mind that Bill has to, is going to make a comeback. And so, and when it does, that'll be interesting to see what the impact will be on the steel industry. Yeah, because the demand in the automotive industry is going to sell more steel and then allocation is going to go more towards automotive and it's going to potentially create even more of a backlog, possibly. Possibly. Now, the question is, is when is the chip thing going to get worked out? And I know domestically here in the United States, there were some bills that were passed for funding for uh, semiconductor chips and, and that sort of thing. But I did post something on LinkedIn. I think I might have even shared it with you on one of my emails with my clients was that um, the chip shortage may last two more years because there is a shortage of chips to make chips. And so, you know, it's, um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of talk out there, but, but, uh, you know, we'd have to see where things, you know, kind of shake out with automotive. I think that's going to be the, the big, um, the, the big secret. When are they coming back? Yeah. So when I'm looking at, you know, my, my inventory of garage doors, right. Um, I bought a lot of inventory in 2019 which worked out to my favor, but we've, we've tried to like maintain the inventory. And then I don't believe we like, I'm, I'm now to the point where I want to scale back my inventory, not have so much capital in there because garage doors are a little bit more uh, accessible. Uh, price points are coming down. So just like investments, right. You, uh, I don't like to sit on things as they crash. You know, I don't mind accumulating Bitcoin and watching it, you know, buying it at four and then buying it at 60 and then buying it again at 20. But I, I have a good feeling because there's only 21 million Bitcoin that can ever be mine. Supply and demand is working in my favor long-term, but with garage doors and us dollar, they can just keep printing and keep making them. So my my assets on my shelf right now are starting to become liabilities mm -hmm. because I bought them at a certain price and now I can't sell them for the margin that I need on those. So I'm sitting here looking at manufacturers, right? Like uh, we just got a notification from a glass door manufacturer. Glass is up 40% overnight. She, the owner called me or messaged me and said, Hey, Ryan, um, just give you a heads up. We, uh, I got a phone call from our last supplier, 40% effective right now. No heads up, no nothing. Wow. And they do a lot of glass. So, you know, I'm about to build a house too. So that doesn't make me feel good because one of the things we had on the list of things that we wanted for the house was uh, lots of tall windows. <laughs> No, we may, we may end up sacrificing that. Uh, but we're looking at, you know, I've got inventory and if, if uh steel's gone down 40%, let's say, you know, companies like Clopay, Amar, whatever, these big behemoths, um, you know, they probably have, I don't know, like how many months of inventory of steel that they keep, but they're probably going to want to work through 
theirs before adjusting their prices, I assume. Um, and then their next purchase will be cheaper. And so we may not see the results to the current price reduction. And then I'm looking at manufacturers like, are they going to be quick to, like, are they going to reduce prices? Probably not. Maybe not. I mean, we've never, I don't know, since I've been in the garage door industry for seven years, I've never seen them reduce the price. Uh, but I guess my question to you is like, when you've seen the steel fluctuate like this, have you seen your customers, the ones you're selling to maybe like the garage door manufacturers or whatever, are they, are they sitting and waiting? Are they, um, before they adjust any prices, is it wise for dealers to call their, their dealers and try to negotiate pricing right now? I mean, how, what do we do? Well, I mean, in that situation, you know, knowledge is power. So having a knowledge of what's going on with the steel market, having an understanding of how much, um, you know, costs going as far as percentage of cost of goods sold for steel that's in your product, um, understanding the dynamics of the steel market um, would give you that power to go to them and say, say, hey, you know, I'm seeing this in the steel market. You know, I paid all of your increases moving up. You know, what, how are we, what are you doing to take care of me on the way down? Now, understanding steel may not be the only component within their Correct. Uh, labor, fuel, all that stuff still up. Right. Labor, fuel, um, you know, interest rates, if that's factored in, yeah. uh, you know, all of those other things. But if you understand that, okay, if I'm buying a product, whether it's a garage door or a building, metal building, or just, you know, a, a rivet, <laughs> and if it's, the cost of goods to make that is is seventy percent of it is steel. Well, then if the price of steel has gone down, uh, which in in our case we've seen it go down, you know, 30 percent since March. Well, maybe that maybe that discussion needs to happen. And so you know, I can tell you that that the discussions that the supply chain people for these for these companies are all going back to their uh, suppliers and saying, hey markets changed, you know, I need, I need price reductions and I need them now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can, I can tell you that, that, that those conversations are happening. Yeah. And if they're, if they're happening and they're getting a price reduction and that's not being passed along to you, well, you know, that's, a, that's up to you as, as an industry to, uh, you know, to, to figure out, see how you, you can recoup some of that. I agree. And, and, you know, for, for, a I think the approach to that should be very different by company, right? And by relationship. So, you know, for us, I probably don't have as much leverage as maybe someone who sells one manufacturer because I spread out my volume amongst, you know, six or seven different manufacturers that we sell quite a bit of. So I'm probably like a small to medium customer for five or six different, different companies. Um, we got maybe one or two manufacturers that are kind of smaller that we might be bigger, like one of their bigger customers, but a company like Clopay, I mean, they're one of our primary, but we're not like a volume client. Right. And they, they measure a lot of their clients by units, not by dollars, but you know, my average 
new door job is eight grand compared to a lot of my competitors in the two to three grand range. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of unfairly being uh, maybe punished when it comes to, to that. So I say all that to say, find your, find your leverage, you know, um, because I, I'm not interested in selling non-insulated garage doors. It's just not something that I want to do. So I may want to go negotiate my pricing on doors that I do want to sell and maybe have a competitive advantage there. And so uh, I know a lot of times I see dealers trying to negotiate the whole board from A to Z. I want, I want a 10% discount on all your product. I just think like go into your database and pull what you've sold the last six months or 12 months. And then, you know, hammer hard on the products that you sell the most. And I think you'll see a better ROI in that scenario or you're even more competitive or you're just as competitive, but making more profit on the doors you're selling the most. So there's lots of different strategies that you guys can take when it comes to negotiating pricing for your, for your doors, especially right now, if you're doing, um, you know, hopefully my competitors aren't listening to this, but you know, I just instructed us all of our, our open quotes that have been sitting for a little bit and that we feel like we're, you know, that could close within the next 30 days. We're, we're asking for requotes and uh, telling them, you know, Hey, we know the prices have come down uh, for material. We would like a requote. We're trying to close this. How aggressive can you get? And so that's been, you know, we're, we started that this week. Um, and so we're hoping to be able to reduce the price or in some scenarios, if we feel really strong, like the price is good, we're actually going to make a little extra money off of it. Consistency in everything, including price, reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer is not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two, Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first-time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos 
to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram post with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The Bifold Doors are awesome, and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better bifold than Schweiss. What do you? What is Majestic projecting uh, for steel prices over the next, we'll say, twelve months? Are you guys thinking that it's some volatility, like we might go back up? Uh, of course, barring any unforeseen major issues like, you know, China going to war or whatever, like things stay pretty steady the way they are. Do you guys think the metal, uh, the metals prices, steel prices are going to continue to go down? Do you think they're going to hover around where they're at? Or do you think they're going to have volatility and just go up and down all the time? Well, I, I think steel itself is, it has shown over the last, oh, I don't know, the last 20 years for that matter. It has been a volatile product. I know when I started in the industry 30 years ago, if steel moved a penny and a half a pound and a quarter, that was a lot. Um, it's now steel is such a strategic item that it's hard to be able to, you know, put a dollar figure on where prediction where steel is going to be. Um, what I would say is that, you know, the mills have worked really hard to get the pricing up this high. Right. And there is a cost for them to do business. And I think they pretty much let the market know during COVID that the prices were not going to get back down to pre-COVID days. So I would think, in my opinion, that we will see the market um, pretty soon, like within the next two to three weeks, um, bottom out, where that's going to be. I don't really know, but I, the mills aren't going to, in my opinion, my opinion only, it, they're not going to go ahead and let that, the market continue to fall like this. What they're going to do is start to have more planned maintenance, maybe some unplanned maintenance to go ahead and reduce the amount of capacity that's out there to go ahead and, you know, keep the pricing up there. Um, they're all, but I mean, they can't, they can't do that like all together. Right. I mean, cause that would be, that would be price fixing a little bit. So, that's the great thing about competition. I mean, if the mills start doing that, isn't there going to be like a very enthusiastic, maybe young and up and coming mill or something that says, Hey, fine. If you guys want to try to pull back on supply to create more demand, we'll just, we'll, we'll take the Amazon approach and be the volume guy and steal some of your customers or something. I don't know. Like, does that happen in steel or is it because there's so few stills, steel mills and they're, they're kind of, only owned by a few people, they're all kind of smart and on the same page. Well, I mean, in the past, I mean, when you had overcapacity in the industry prior to COVID, um, yes, that would happen. You'd have somebody kind of fall off by the wayside and 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 go go rogue, if you will. Um, however, in the last couple of years we've seen consolidation within the steel industry. So for instance, right now, there are, I believe, four domestic mills that control, you know, 75 to 80% of the production here in the U.S. 
So, and they're all, all of the leadership at these mills are very, very smart guys, smart people. And so I'm not going to say they're colluding by any means. Right. Um, That's against the law, but I would also say that they're very smart and how they want to run their business. And they they can uh, control the demand because they are big enough to do it. Exactly. And if you've seen the recipe for making record profits, which revolves around efficiencies, um, smart selling, and selling value over volume. I know you had mentioned volume. Hey, the Amazon guy. But selling value over volume, which is what their their shtick has been, then for them to go down to those low prices that we saw prior to COVID, I don't know that that would generally happen. I would say that the mills have changed the way that they produce steel. They're becoming way more efficient. Um, You know, you can see, like, for instance, U.S. Steel has um, reduced their capacity at other locations or even closed capacity at other locations to put all of their or a lot of their manufacturing into their facility um, in Arkansas with big river steel which is an electric arc furnace mill similar to what you see with Nucor and Steel Dynamics because it's a cleaner steel. It's better for the environment. There is a new um, new wave of decarbonization of the steel mills for the environment, um, which also makes the steel producing uh, process, if you will, more efficient. So I would say, in my opinion, that that's where the industry is going decarbonization value over volume to to basically make steel more of a strategic uh product as opposed to just being a a commodity that's out there nice yeah i mean that's why i'm trying to do garage doors right (laughs) i want to sell value over volume and Try to not make what we do a commodity because we're trying to deliver an experience that can't be duplicated in masses. Um, and I think as a small guy, that's how you beat the big guys is tactically um, because you're not going to beat their prices. You're not going to beat the volume. Um, sometimes the turnaround time. So you got to do it in other ways. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're a perfect example. You sell a high end product. You don't sub out your um, your workers that install it, and uh, you're selling you're selling a solution to a to your to your client. And and at Majestic, we're doing the same thing. And and um, it's it's funny. I go to conferences all the time, and and I go to these conferences, and most of the people that I run into, they don't understand our business model. And so it's interesting. So the first question I, I, I ask when I talk to somebody is, is do you understand our business model? And, and most of the time they don't. And once they do understand our business model and how we you know, provide mitigation in crazy times like we're seeing now, assurance of supply, and, and who knows, we might remove some costs through innovation and technology and uh, knowledge of steel then now you're starting to talk a different ball game. So, um, you know, you're, you're probably in the same boat. You got to have people, your clients understand your, your business model so that they will appreciate it and be able to buy a product. Right. So, um, on the steel side, well, also 
you brought up Majestic, or not Majestic, but um, Nucor. So we're a little bit ways into the Nucor acquisition of CHI. Um, what are your thoughts there? Have you seen them do anything different since that acquisition? Um, quite honestly, no. Um, I haven't really been too close to that. Um, but what I would tell you is that when we're in uh, down cycles like this, um, and we've had record profits, the mills are looking either to um, increase their, their portfolio downstream or upstream. So either on the raw material side or on the sales side. I think it's great for your industry to have a wonderful mill like Newport um, who produces a fine product here made in the USA, clean steel, um, you know, efficiently made. Um, you know, getting involved in the door industry. And, you know, it's interesting is, is the door industry, you buy painted steel, right? Um, they, own a, they, own a, they own a paint line and they're going to be able to control the uh, manufacturing of the, of the full product, not just your, your garage door panels themselves, but the track that you have. Um, you know, that I think it's a great, I think it's a great acquisition for Newport to purchase CHI and, and be able to get into that industry. Very cool. Well, anything that you think would be helpful to our listeners uh, when it comes to the steel uh, trends, the industry, what should be we be watching over the next few weeks? Um, I, I would be watching, the things I would be watching is, um, you know, the steel market's probably going to go ahead and, and, and level out here pretty soon, in my opinion. I would be watching uh, what's going on in the economy, um, what's happening with interest rates. Will interest rates continue to rise? Will inflation continue to rise? I mean, inflation is that we haven't seen inflation like this since what I think it was, is it 1981 that we haven't seen it like yeah. this? The record, uh, the highest level that we've seen since 1981. I mean, I, I look at today, you know, I don't want to buy you know, something, you know, I'm too busy to eat dinner and I do something on DoorDash and I, and I buy something or, and it's, and I'm like, oh my God, did I really pay that much to have dinner delivered to my house? I'm like, oh my God. So, so you look at the average person and how much is taken out of their paycheck through higher interest rates, gas prices, um, food, groceries, clothing, all of these different things, how much is really left to do the things that they were doing during COVID, all the renovations and, and different things. And is that gonna impact what you guys do? I think that would be the things that I would be looking at. As far as um, you know, inventory of your product, I, I think making some strategic changes and how you, you purchase, um, managing your inventory is, is big. You had mentioned that, I think inventory management which is something we do at Majestic. You can see on my screensaver how much we have to manage. Um, you know, I think inventory management is is really huge right now. Yeah, we're we're trying to cut our our overall cost of inventory in half if we can, and still be effective. Uh, because I don't believe, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong, but I believe we've seen the worst of the supply and demand issue or the supply chain issues, and I don't see garage doors or springs being something that is hard to get um, any longer. 
So would I be making a huge mistake if I cut my inventory in half, hoping that we don't see another shortage of spring wire and garage doors? Great question. I would say that um, going, you've got one, you've got two ends of the spectrum, right? You've got your, uh, do I go just in time? Which I think JIT should stand for just in trouble instead of just in time. Or do I go whole hog and, and buy like I did, you know, pre-COVID or during COVID and stock up? Um, I would say my opinion that it's got to be somewhere in between. Yeah. Because you don't want to run out, but yet you don't want to have too much. And so, you know, not to get the all about Majestic, but we actually have um, a program, a uh, vendor managed inventory program where you have mins and maxes set up on your, uh, in your system. You have a guy that scans um, inventory as it comes in. You have a guy that scans material as it's being used. And then what's interesting is, is when you hit that minimum stock level, a uh, notification is sent to the purchasing person and the sales rep that says, hey, we need to get some more material down to, to customer XYZ. It's called Mike's. Uh, it's on our website. And uh, I think that would be investing into tools that would allow you to do that as opposed to having your guy go out and count how many doors are <laughs> there that's right. in stock, having it all automated and, and um, utilizing technology. That's where the future is going because we've seen, you're right, we may have seen the worst of it, but we don't know when it's going to happen again. Right. Just um, you know, having innovative tools like that to, uh, to help you would be great. Yeah, so... That's interesting. You brought that up. I'm, I'm very intrigued. I'm hoping that the acquisition of Newcore to CHI is helpful with the distribution and organization. So our industry, I didn't realize how like, I don't think dysfunctional is the right word, but it's pretty close. Um, and I mean that not in the fact that like the industry is dysfunctional. It's just that, like there's, we have two, we have two kind of industry associations. We've got DASMA, which mm -hmm. is kind of like the association for the manufacturers. And then we have IDA who projected like a dealer association, but really has told me point blank. We are not a dealer association. We are a door association. We're a door industry association. So there's really no like association for the dealers. But what's very interesting to me is there's no, like we hired a, an experienced warehouse guy. I mean, we're, we're small, right? So we hired a guy that's got tons of experience running warehouses. Um, he comes in and he's like, man, this is a mess. And we're like, what do you mean? He's like, well, uh, the springs come in and they don't have like a model number on them, um, or a PO on them. And how do I know what springs go with what doors? And then track just comes in a big bundle. Some of them are labeled. Some of them are marked stock. Like I've got like, so we have all there's the thing about the garage door industry. There's a million different parts, right? Some of them are sourced from China and some of them are sourced locally, so, so you might have, you have track for single doors that are a little bit less light, they're a little bit more lightweight and you have heavy duty track for like double doors for the heavier doors. Um, 
but then there's like probably 50 variations of each of those because you've got some where you buy from China, you got some that are manufactured here, but there's no like consistency in like most industries. I think where you order something, you'll get like um, a load list and it'll have a breakdown of everything Mm -hmm. model numbers and part names. And, but a lot of it's like internal code stuff too, sometimes so this guy's like, dude, what the heck? This is like crazy. I've never seen something so like unorganized. It's like, they don't care. It's just like, figure it out. And he's not, he doesn't know garage door parts yet. We're training him, but he's like, you know, there's no tube on this. Um, and we're like, well, yeah, the tube comes with the door package. So he's like learning what comes with the door package. But I mean, we have some manufacturers that do better than others, but majority of them there's no unif there's no unity right like dasma or ida or somebody i feel like needs to come up with like a standard list and then have like model numbers or something where we can all work off the same system and i think that would help organize the industry a lot better i i would i would uh i would agree so whether it's DASMA or IDA or, or wherever they should, maybe there's specific, you start high at the high level point, 30,000 feet up. Okay, what's the specification, right? This is the specification. It's got to hit this specification to do that. And I think then as you move into like your business and cross the line of saying, hey, you know, this is how you should be doing it. But most companies that are out there, and you may already be doing it, I missed it, but establish a part number for each SKU that you buy and having um, your supplier, whether it's the manufacturer or if you're buying it from a distributor, whomever your, 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 your supplier is, you know, provide that packing list and make sure that there is a part number. And so you go from there and now you're, now you're, you're a guy that's running the plant who doesn't know much about garage doors, but he can say that, okay, well, this, part number XYZ123 goes with this door over here. And then there's a rack internally that says, okay, this is where I keep all of my XYZ123s. And then organizing that, organizing it that way, because most, most companies have some sort of part number, at least the companies we sell, they all have part numbers tied to it. But you may be doing that, who knows? Yeah, we, we're working on it. I'm trying to make it better. We do have an inventory system uh, but we're working on location system now. So mm-hmm. rack A, you know, row two, you know, bin, bin B or whatever, right? So that's something that we're working on now. And we are also working on like maybe our own internal labeling system. It's funny, we actually just had that conversation today. Um, but it just, it's very challenging because, you know, like I had a sit down conversation with you just started. I'm like, how are things going? He's like, man, it's crazy. He said, half these deliveries that come in, they just have like a a shipping label. There's no like breakdown of everything. And he's like, you know, I had, we had a delivery driver who was late yesterday. And um, he was like, hey, can I just park at your dock? And we can unload first thing in the morning. We're like, yeah, we get in in the morning and everything's just left outside. He just dumped it and took off. Um, 
and we're like, what the heck? It's some of it's damaged. Uh, this is warranty panels too that the customers have been waiting on forever. I guess mm-hmm. he tried to unload them himself and it didn't work out so well. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, screw it. I'm out. Right. And so, I mean, we're just dealing with all, it's like, it feels from, from a dealer perspective, it's, it just feels very unprofessional, not, not very organized. Everybody's kind of doing their own thing. Um, and I think there, there could be a DASMA or an IDA that comes in and says, all right, let's, let's unify some stuff. Let's, let's organize it. And then that way, when we're pushing it to the dealer, it's not a total freaking mess. And let's have some standards. Let's educate, you know, dealers on, on, you know, all this stuff. And it's, um, you know, it's the craps floating downhill. Um, and I thought that it would get better right after COVID, but it doesn't feel like it is. Um, so that's a little bit disheartening and, and frustrating as a dealer. So I hope that changes soon. I hope so too, but I, I would also have to say that, you know, labor is a, is going to be the biggest challenge for all of us right now. Um, and, but I would also say that there's a lot of smart people that own companies these days that know that labor is an issue and then they're going to, you know, automate so many different things. Um, you know, will we see self-driving trucks, you know, so that you don't have that guy that, that just, you know, dumps a bunch of stuff there, you know, you, right don't have that but i you know i do think that um you know we're going to be technology and automation is going to be the the way to go to, because we can't keep going like this with you know the shortage of workers and yeah. so so i would have to say that that's that's something to be keeping an eye on but you know it's interesting that you you brought up that problem that you're seeing i'm sure you're seeing it as far as being able to trace the the, the the part numbers and the packing lists and all this other stuff. Gee, you're such a trendsetter. You could probably come up with a uh, a software that that uh, goes ahead and, and sets that up for the whole industry. I don't want to deal with it, but <laughs> if, if, I mean, if I'm forced to, I will. But yeah, I prefer not to. Right. There you go, guys. If you want a million dollar idea, Brian just gave it to you. I'm not interested in leaving or doing it. So uh, if you want to run with it, maybe that's something that you could do. Uh, Listen, thank you, Brian, for coming on the show, giving your input to Steel. I think it's super helpful and helps guys make decisions in the door industry when you come on and provide data and um, data-driven feedback. So I really appreciate that. I think having this conversation every couple of months will be good for us. So I plan to bring you back. Um, we can talk more. Awesome. We just don't experience high highs and low lows uh, on the price volatility. Um, hopefully we can plateau and find some stabilization. Yeah, I, uh, I, I hope to see that, but you haven't seen it in a number of years, so we'll... <laughs> kind of where it goes but thanks so much for having me on i really enjoyed the experience of being on your uh, podcast it's been awesome yep glad to have you and so listen uh just like brian here if you're a manufacturer and you're listening to the show i know he's looking to sell some steel so maybe you hook up with him and buy some steel and uh we appreciate everybody that's listening to the show hope you guys stay safe 
Uh, be good. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. So every time that we upload an episode, you get notified. Have a wonderful day. Take care.